Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 2020 final episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, your host for today's episode. And today we sat down with Genworth's Gordon Saunders, who leads a team at Genworth and puts together the 2020 Cost of Care Survey. They do over 60,000 outbound attempts to talk to various organizations, whether it's licensed in-home care, skilled nursing facilities, adult daycare, or senior living communities as well. This is a robust tool where you can find the average cost or median cost of care pretty much in any major metro area or city throughout the United States. We hope you enjoyed today's episode where Gordon navigates the cost of care survey and shows us how to use the tool. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see how it all works. If you're just listening, I encourage you to check out our YouTube channel where you can see Gordon navigate. We hope you enjoy the episode. And of course, you can find other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us on our YouTube channel at pophealthpodcast.com, Apple Music, Spotify, and of course, Stitcher as well. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Well, Gordon, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Gavin, for having me. Absolutely. So we'd like to start each show by getting to know the guest a little bit before we jump into uh, the main kind of content of our show. So can you share with us uh, something about you that might be out of the ordinary, like a fun fact? Yeah, sure. So I actually, I'm a musician and I play in a local rock band. We're called Spider Kelly. You can find us online at Spider Kelly RVA because there's other Spider Kellys. And I also play every Sunday in my church band, along with my wife and daughter. And as a matter of fact, Gavin, uh, we have our first gig since February tonight. However, like the rest of the world, you know, we are having to uh, to move it online. You know, the venue that we were going to play at tonight had a little COVID-19 scare. So the show must go on. So we'll be playing online tonight. But that is something I really enjoy doing. Um, wow. What's, uh, what instruments do you play? Well, this band, I, guitar primarily. Okay. Uh, I was Spider Kelly. I, I play bass. But, um, gosh, I've been playing for about 35 years, and uh, guitar is one of my loves. Nice. Were you ever thinking of uh, trying to do musician, uh, you know, be a professional musician and do it full-time? When I was much younger as a kid, you know, that was one of my dreams was to, um, you know, rest his soul, Eddie Van Halen. I wanted to be the next Eddie Van Halen. Those are some big shoes to fill. But um, no, it did not really pan out. But I was able to you know, shift gears as I got a little bit older in life. And my daughter moved on to college of what's Gordon's next chapter look like. So I've been able to really enjoy music and start playing on the local scene. Oh, that's great. Very cool. So uh, we were talking off the air before we started the show. And you mentioned you're pretty much born and raised in Virginia. What what has kept you in Virginia all the years, all the years? Yeah, so I mean, Virginia is a great place. You've got beaches, you've got mountains, and you know they say Virginia is for lovers. That's you know, our marketing um, slogan. But I grew up in the Tidewater area, specifically okay. a little town called Smithfield, Virginia. I don't know if you, have you heard of that before. I have not. It's known as the ham capital of the world. So sometimes okay. people go, "Oh, those Virginia smoked hams," or you know, Smithfield is known for that. Okay. And nice. Yeah, what's uh, kept me in? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, please. I said, and just what's kept me in Virginia uh, is family. You know, this is where we grew up and we love it here. Yeah. Awesome. So where did you, so you grew up there and where did you go, end up going to college? Well, I obtained my a degree from Virginia Tech. Okay. And I got my degree in marketing education. 
And then nine years ago, uh, Gavin, I obtained my MBA from Averett University. And, you know, some people have a, a midlife crisis. They get a sports car. And I decided, oh, let's go back to school. And it was a good decision. But, boy, what a tough decision to make later in life. Yeah. What, what made it so, uh, so difficult to make that decision? Just balance. You know, having a, a young child, having a full-time career, I was still uh, working for Genworth, and, and fortunately, Genworth um, you know, covered the entire expense. So that's definitely one thing I'm very grateful to my employer for doing. But, um, you know, it's just to sharpen the saw, and I'm really grateful that I was given the opportunity and that I was able to do it. And going later in life uh, just allowed you to apply relevant experience and examples to the curriculum, but also, you know, case scenarios. Yeah, no, that that's a great benefit. And um, is that something available to most Genworth employee employees or only if you're using, like, how does that work? Do you mind me yeah, it's, it's actually one of the benefits that Genworth offers its employees is continuing education. So it's a great benefit. Awesome. Good for you. So, Thanks. Yeah, no problem. So you're uh, you go to school now. When people go to school for like marketing or, or when you were in college, did you ever think that you were going to end up in healthcare or in senior care? Not at all. In my undergrad, I mentioned was marketing education, but it was training and development was my concentration. So okay. where I should have ended up is as a corporate trainer or a high school marketing teacher. Uh, I chose to go the corporate training route, but never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I would end up on the long-term care side of uh, the house and, and doing what I do. And, and I love what I do. It's really great. Yeah. So how did that, how did you go from, you know, being a corporate trainer, maybe being a high school teacher, ending up over at Genworth and working in the insurance world or with senior and senior care? So I'll try to keep it brief, but let's okay. see how this goes. So follow, following graduation, I started in retail management. Okay. I got out of retail management and eventually transitioned to selling health and life insurance. Very young age. And in fact, my last customer became my wife. So uh-huh. I got out of selling. So, so the good thing is, is, you know, those people that are in the field, they're in sales, I understand what they're going through, especially when it comes to the marketing side. But I will say, you know, this is the best policy, obviously, I've ever sold. Uh, <laughs> you know, it continues to pay nicely out in the renewals every year. But, you know, I wanted to work in marketing, and that's really where a lot of my passion is. So I made the shift to get into operations in Washington, D.C. area with a, a, a telecom company. Okay. And I started on the inbound sales support, got deeper into call center operations, and then really went deep into marketing operations. And one thing, Gavin, I really enjoy is to understand process, but more importantly, troubleshooting. And kind of where I emerged was this like special forces for marketing. You assess a situation, you act, you move on to that next opportunity. So what this did is it led me to gravitate into the world of digital. You know, we're talking about 20 years ago and digital was really in its infancy. It was starting to take off. Everything was moving in that direction. So to get to how did I end up at Genworth? You know, my family, we moved from the Washington, D.C. area to Richmond, Virginia. And that, that's where I am now. Okay. And we want to be closer. You, know, you said, what keeps you in Virginia? We want to be closer to relatives, family, a different pace of life. I don't know if you've been to Richmond, Virginia, but uh, it's got a nice mix of culture. It's got a great food and entertainment scene, and you know, we love it here. 
And so when I arrived in Richmond, uh, I noticed this company, Genworth, that just had kind of popped up. And I was like, who is this company, Genworth? Yeah. And I discovered that Genworth was not a new company. And this was back in 2004. And it turned out they were getting ready to do an initial public offering. And Genworth was a spinoff of General Electric Financial Assurance. Oh, okay. So it's a new company, but it's built on you know, GE Heritage. And it turns out that Genworth has quite a legacy. Not many people know this unless you go to our website or you really are familiar with the company. You know, we've been in the business going all the way back to 145 years. And in fact, you know, it is one of the oldest companies here in Virginia and you know, getting back into the original life insurance days. So me personally, I was intrigued with, you know, Genworth had a Six Sigma program okay. because GE was really big on Six Sigma. Yeah. And Sigma is all about process, quality, troubleshooting. How do you fix things? So I got my green belt. I immersed myself in the process and through the period of time, I've been able to work in digital marketing, IT, and eventually brand. And what's kept me here at Genworth, you know, it's, it's the company. It, it definitely, when it comes to the purpose, the people, what we've offered, you know, I've worked for a lot of companies over my career. And this is one that I truly can say that you can go to bed at night feeling like you're making a difference. And so I really have um, appreciated what we do for our policyholders. But I, I would just say, as we're talking about the company, they've really stepped up during this pandemic. And that's what has really um, made it more apparent about how Genworth is, is a great place to work and the things that we're doing. Awesome. Thanks for the background. And clearly, yeah. um, I always like to say, like in my day job, I drink the Kool-Aid of my employer. I you know, love what I do. I sleep well. Sounds like uh, clearly it's the same for you, which is great. So our audience is mostly healthcare professionals. So they're not necessarily, you know, marketing folks or financial folks, but they deal with potentially Genworth clients on a daily basis or like clients who might have you know, issues as an older adult or might have a long-term care policy. So before we get into the cost of care survey, which is the main reason why we're chatting today, could you give a little overview, um, maybe just a general overview of what is long-term care insurance and how it's not health insurance? Yeah, absolutely. You know, long-term care insurance is one of many care funding options that individuals can, can, um, obtain to help them with their care funding needs. So long-term care insurance is that type of insurance that when you cannot complete typically two of the six activities of daily living, such as, as many on this call know about eating and drinking and the ability to go to the bathroom, control your ability to go to the bathroom, you know, common things that we all take for granted. That's when, if you qualify for some of those inability to perform those ADLs, then you may qualify to be able to receive reimbursement. And long-term care insurance is typically the expenses paid by the care recipient or family member and the company reimburses that individual. So it's specifically to cover long-term care. It's not health and medical. And that's sometimes a common myth out there is that it's medical, but it's really, you're talking about more of the personal care in this case, as we're all aging, that long-term care. 
Great. Thanks for the very uh, crisp and uh, brief explanation. Um, just a reminder to the audience, uh, you folks, you're mostly healthcare professionals, so you probably understand it, but a lot of those that um, are out in the public often think the government takes care of all of their you know, expenses as they age. They think of Medicare or Medicaid covering all the expenses. And so just a reminder that Medicare only covers a brief amount of time in a skilled nursing facility if you need that type of stay. It doesn't cover long-term care and that's an out-of-pocket cost. And we're gonna get into that in more detail. So long-term care insurance is typically an out-of-pocket expense to purchase uh, for folks. Sometimes employer groups might include it as an option. Um, how do folks generally purchase long-term care insurance? Is it just like Googling and, and finding a policy? Are there a lot of companies that do it? Um, you mind answering that? Yeah, well, so long-term care insurance is typically, it's just like many different types of insurance. You may have a relationship with a financial advisor, a financial planner, you may go directly to a company and purchase insurance. So there's many different ways to actually obtain. You can clearly Google, you know, Jen Worth, I'm not here to talk about insurance today, but certainly that is on, you know, one, that is one of our main products. As a matter of fact, you know, we're a, one of the leaders or an a, you know, a leader uh, in the long-term care insurance uh, space, but there's other companies out there as well. But clearly you could go to our website, genworth.com, and there are options for learning more about the insurance and how to speak to somebody more about your needs. But you know, to answer the question, there's many options out there and it really depends on the individual, their relationship they have or where they are in their planning stages. And that's really you know, what we're here to talk about today is with the cost of care is the importance of planning. And that tool and our data is one of those key steps to help when individuals are considering if insurance uh, is an option that best meets their financial needs. Okay, awesome. And let's get into that in just a moment. Um, quick question for you. What would you say, and if you, if you don't have the answer, that's fine, but how many people in their life will have a, a life circumstance that would require them to tap into a long-term care insurance. Do you have any data on that? Well, according to the government, there's a stat out there, and many of us have probably heard this, and it's over 70% of people age 65 are likely to experience a long-term care event. And so we know that we're all living longer, which is a wonderful thing, but also as we live longer, we are susceptible to the challenges that come with aging. So according to that stat, there's a large percentage of the population that's at risk because it's age-based. And as you age, you may uh, encounter accidents or you may have some issues, health issues that start to creep up. So, so it really varies, obviously, but it's important as we look into the future to act now and think about lifestyle and wellness. But according to the stats, I mean, that's a pretty big number that after the age of 65, we start to become a little bit more vulnerable. Awesome. Thanks for that stat. So um, we're actually going to see a demo of the cost of care survey in just a moment before we get to that. So for those of you that are listening, by the way, if you want to see this demo, you will have to check out our YouTube channel and um, which you can find easily by just finding us on YouTube. Um, before we get there, Gordon, tell us about the history of this study, how it came about, 
and then we'll jump into the demo. Absolutely. So, you know, the history of, of this particular study is this is all about long-term care, and it's an issue that Americans face for themselves, you know, whether or, or it's a family member or a friend. I know even in my own family, and my wife currently is just wrapping up being a caregiver. As a matter of fact, she sold off her um, the care recipient, her great aunt's uh, house yesterday, and uh, it was quite a journey. And and you know, it's it's just such an experience that families experience. And at Genworth, you know, we're we're fathers and we're sons and we're grandsons and we're daughters. We all have our our stories. And so with the cost of care, you know, there's this, it's an issue. And there's this heightened level of debate in Washington, DC and you know about the nation's long-term care strategy. And, And really you're asking about insurance and funding you know, what happens is people start to have a gap. And there's, you mentioned, Gavin, about the expectation of Medicare recover me or Medicaid, but at the end of the day, people might have a gap and they don't really, they're not aware of that. So the cost of care, it really started as that benchmark, is that foundational element to help people answer the cost. And the cost specifically is, well, how much does it cost for someone to come into my home and provide assistance with errands, companionship, or how much does it cost for somebody to come into my home to help me with some of these activities of daily living we've talked about? It also explores and it branches out. Well, how about adult day healthcare where I send a loved one to a day facility? Or if we make the decision to transition out of the home, how about uh, assisted living or more in a skilled type environment, nursing home. So it was established uh, 17 years ago to really start to answer that question of how much is the cost of care. And we provide this as really like a public service announcement and we make it widely available all across the United States. Many different companies use it. They license our data. Um, We're all about making this available, more importantly, so that families can have conversations and recognize there there is a high degree, there is a chance that we may need this. So if we start planning at an early age or we're in a situation, we just know what that care costs. And so when anytime anybody wants to know how much something costs, it starts with Google and, you know, we try to make sure that we are forthcoming and provide this information really from an education awareness perspective to help people take that first step. Okay, awesome, Gordon. Thanks for the explanation. Now, um, I'm ready when you are. I am, um, I'm going to be looking for care uh, probably in, in Dallas, let's say. Can okay. you show me, can you walk me through this survey? And for those of you that are listening again, if you want to check us out on YouTube, um, you can see this demo. All right, so Gordon's now sharing his screen. For those of you that are just listening in, we are looking in Dallas, Texas. And Gordon, can I look, or do you want to kind of coach me through it, or do you want me to say Yeah, so so let me tell you, let's set the Gavin. So first of all, you're looking at, um, you have a need for, I had a care event in my family, like you said, I'm planning. Uh, I do a Google search. Okay. You search either what is the cost of care, how much is long-term care, hopefully you've heard of Genworth and you know, the Genworth cost of care, and you arrive on this page, 
And when you arrive here, the first thing you'll see for your listeners that, that don't see this is it's an interactive tool. And we've put a lot of effort into user experience to make sure that you know, we are presenting information that truly helps people. We constantly seek feedback. We constantly enhance and develop this experience because we'll talk about the data in the moment that drives all this. But what you're looking at, we're talking about the interactive experience. And what I want to share with you, you know, the first thing you're seeing here, Gavin, is the snapshot of what is the monthly cost on a national median for the year 2020. Okay. And when we publish the results, we publish them with annual results. So you, we provide four different views for the user. There's hourly, daily, monthly, and annual. And we talked about all the different in-home and out-of-home categories. But what you're seeing right here is that care costs for 2020 are in the range of $51,000 to $105,000. Now, I want you to keep in mind that this is a, it's a snapshot in time. This is a survey. Care Scout, who we've worked with for 17 years, does this unbiased outreach to collect this data. And again, this is a snapshot. And what's important to, to think about is, is what do the trends look like? But right now, we're going to talk about the snapshot. And what we're reporting this year, you can see right now, is that care costs are up 3 to 6% okay. um, year over year over 2019. But let's go into your scenario and talk about Dallas because we're at the national level. So we provide, we try to provide the easiest experience. So we allow you the capability of to engage with an interactive Google map. Or you can go into this um, little box and enter your city, your state, or your zip code. Now, you specifically mentioned Dallas. So I'm going to just start typing D-A-L-L-A-S. Okay. And there's Dallas, Texas. So the first thing that occurred is you see off to the right there is we zoom in on the state of Texas and show you all the areas where we have data. So what you're seeing initially is the annual view. And we okay. provide that monthly view point because sometimes people budget and look at share of wallet from a monthly perspective. But you can also drill down and look at hourly. So I'm going to stop talking here and tell me what specifically are you interested in, Gavin? What's the scenario you're planning for? Yeah, so I'll be planning for a relative, uh, an older adult who needs uh, in-home care, probably personal care. Um let's say 20 hours a week, uh, which is a common average that I see uh, in my career, so. And would you like to see it at a daily, monthly, or annual view? Um, let's, do, let's do a monthly uh, view for okay. 20 hours a week. So we're in the monthly view, and fortunately, so when we collect the data, it's at the metropolitan statistical area, and this is okay. defined by the government. And this experience has 435 different data points, you know, the United States and major cities and towns. So the reason why I bring this up is because you may enter a city that's not in the cost of care, but the technology will give you the closest location. So in this case, you've picked an MSA that we do have the data on. So from a monthly in-home, you're looking at the costs are really the same for both hands-off and hands-on. But I believe, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I wanted to see if, could we change the hours to 20 hours a week? 
Yep, that was my next thing. And thank you for calling that out. So if you scroll slightly down, we have a little area here. We default to 44. And I get this question all the time, Gavin, of why do you use 44 hours? And when we started this um, initiative campaign and survey 17 years ago, that was a stat that was out there. Okay. And we know that care needs can vary according to one situation of how much you know, home care that they would need. In our Beyond Dollar study, where we study the, we call it the ripple effect of how families and relationships are impacted due to a care event, that familial caregivers reported 21 hours a week. We may see in claims data that is much higher. So 44 is our default, but in your scenario, we have, um, you said 30. So you can go to the bottom. Correct, Actually, was it 30? 20, Gordon. Thank you. No problem. So 20, so I can hit calculate, and you'll see that that number reset itself on the home care side. We can go as low as in the tool from seven hours to 168 hours of you know the 24 by seven per week. Great, thank you. The reason I asked for 20, Gordon, is um, uh, in my career, I've spent a lot of time in the home care industry and um, that was kind of a median number that I saw, but I do recognize that a lot of the clients need around the clock care. Some of them need less, but um, thank you for, for walking me through that. And you can even break it down to what does that hourly cost look like? In this case, they're both the same. But one thing I want to point out to you, Gavin, is let's talk about, I mean, you're a young guy. Let's look in the future. We provide a future estimator okay. where you can go out to the future. So how many years would you like to look out and see what the cost of care could be? Uh, for myself, I would say, let's say 40 years from now. Okay. Well, that, that's, a, that's a big one. That's good. Uh, so we can go out to 40 years. And you'll see that it resets itself. So on a monthly basis for in-home care, and again, this is based on 3% compound annual growth. You're looking at, in 2020, that number was $1,993 a month. 40 years from now, based on this, again, this is an estimate, it's $6,501. Okay. And we have a little area here where you can change the annual inflation. So you can oh, drop cool. that down and say, what is it from 2%? What is it to 5%? And very soon we're going to be adding a 1% option. The other great thing about this is you can print to PDF and actually get those numbers with all these stats. So if you wanted to be able to save this, share it with a loved one, you can do a snapshot in time. And the one last thing I want to share with you is and you probably experienced this in talking to others, is you're interested in Dallas. Is there another location that maybe Dallas isn't where you want to be and you want to do a comparison? Yeah, let's go to, um, let's go in Northern California, maybe like, uh, let's go to the San Jose area. I know there's a high cost of living up there, but let's try that one. So what you do is you click on, we have a compare location button. Okay. And here you can enter and repeat, what was the exact city? Uh, San Jose or Santa Clara, if San Jose doesn't pop up. So we, we enter San Jose, and you'll see that we actually have, it's called the San Jose area. And if you mouse over San Jose, it'll tell you the median, you know, that's representative of Sunnyvale, Santa Clara. And it gives you a comparison of the 2020 costs versus the 2060. And you can dial it up or down with the future estimator. You can change your inflation. 
You can change your views. You can change your hours. So we try to provide all of this at your fingertips uh, via you know, the website. There's a mobile responsive version, and there's also it's available in the App Store as well as Droid under Genworth Cost of Care Survey. This is great, Gordon. And for the audience that's not seeing this visually, I highly recommend you check out this tool, especially those of you that are working with seniors or their families. Um, this is this is the best tool, guys, that I have seen. And I've been doing this for 20 years. And um, yeah, check it out. Again, uh, it's Genworth Cost of Care Survey. Gordon just gave a great demo. Um, again, we're going to upload this uh, on YouTube later this month for you all to see, and the episode will be released by the end of the month. Um, so, Gordon, um, I had a couple other questions on this, but uh, if there was another part of the demo that you wanted to do, I, I can hold off. Yeah, I, I think what I just want to point out to you is that I get a lot of questions about you know, how, how did you get this information and how many providers did you contact and what goes into 44 hours and you know, some of the questions you're asking me, Gavin. So we try to provide all this information. So you can scroll down to the bottom of the page and it will give you answers to frequently asked questions, more about the methodology. I talked about where it is in the app store. And the one other thing I wanna point out is we have a page called Trends and Insights. And with Trends and Insights, we actually go into what have we seen over 17 years? Why are costs increasing? And then we have charts that uh, provide a historical reference over that time period of what costs may look like. And one thing you know, that's been the big aha for us, and we'll pivot back into some other areas, is what's going on in the home care space and how much that has increased. That is uh, a great segue, Gordon. You mentioned the costs of home care. Um, and there was a nice, uh, a nice chart Gordon just showed about the increase, the, the higher increase over the last few years. I've been serving in home care pretty much since 2003, and the, the costs of in-home care were somewhat flat for many years. But over the last few years, they've really started, I don't want to use the term spiked, but uh, definitely increased. And so I wanted to ask you, you look at a homemaker cost, and then you also look at a home health aid cost. Uh, right. We're about the same, but the home health aid is slightly higher typically. Why is that? Well, the home health aid, you know, we believe is they're more of a skilled individual. And what I mean by that is they're, have, they're providing hands-on service. So it's actually what we talked about, the activities of daily living, whereas a homemaker is traditionally defined as hands-off, companionship, errands, cooking, some you know, light housekeeping. But what's interesting, I think what we're starting to see is how the two categories are actually starting to blend together. Because if you're putting a professional in someone's home, they're going to have greater needs or they may experience an event and they wanna continue that relationship because as we all know, it, it's tough to, to have that right match of a yeah. care provider and a care recipient. And if you get a good one, you want them to be able to have a relationship and kind of grow into that relationship. So I think what you're seeing is, is there's the demand and there's the need for these greater skills, uh, regardless of what somebody is doing in the home. So I think what we're starting to see is that hourly rate is really starting to catch up. And we definitely saw um, that homemaker 
hands-off care is increasing. To give you an idea, in 20, comparing 2018 to 2019, the year-over-year percentage increase for homemaker was 7%. Wow. This year, it's 4.4%. Home health aid is 4.3%. So from an annual perspective on a national median, and that's $53,000 and $54,000. So they're kind of neck and neck. Okay, that's some that's some good points. So, when you look at the cost of a caregiver, we'll we'll focus on in home care as we end the show here. Um, one thing to note is when you look at the cost, let's say forty four hours a week is your your median or average, and it's fifty four thousand dollars a year. Let's say one thing to note is the caregiver his or herself is not receiving that as a salary. That's the actual cost that an agency or a company is charging for the services and managing, you know, that care plan and that caregiver. Uh, when you guys do, when CareScout does this study, which is your partner, are they surveying uh, companies that might be licensed in their state to provide the care, or are they also surveying like individual caregivers for their charge? Yeah, that's a great question. So what they're doing is they're collecting the private pay rate for non-Medicare certified agencies. And yes, indeed, they, they are licensed. And you know, what CareScout is doing is contacting, they have a very large database of the care providers across the United States. They are initiating 60,000 outbound random calls. And you know the thing about the cost of care I mentioned, Gavin, it's a survey, it's a snapshot in time. So the results can vary based on sample size, participation, but the target is to complete 15,000 surveys. And I'll tell you this year, and we're all living in this world of shift, um, you know, they had to deal with, you know, be able to accomplish this during a pandemic and it was just remarkable. But there's a lot of effort that goes to collecting that information. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, for those of you that don't know, usually the cost of care survey comes out maybe a little bit earlier throughout the year. But I want to give you guys kudos. I've been eager and I actually uh, reached out to one of your colleagues at Genworth like, hey, where's the cost of care survey? That was prior uh, to knowing your role uh, with Genworth. But super excited that you guys put in all the time and effort uh, to put it out there and over 15,000 surveys. Those are some solid data points. And again, to the audience, this is a great tool to use in the best in class that I'm aware of uh, to see the cost of care. As we wrap up today, Gordon, one thing that you guys did this year was digging a little bit deeper with almost 100 care providers, a little bit less than uh, maybe about a seven dozen or so care providers to understand why are the costs of care rising? And could you explain what are some of the, some of the common themes that you've seen with the cost of care this year and the increased costs? Absolutely. So, you know, first of all, hats off to these care providers, all, all of you out there that are in the field providing care. I mean, this has been a tough year for all of us, but what we're just hearing is the impact, uh, specifically in home care and long-term care and in facilities um, that this pandemic has had on everybody. And the stories that we've heard of the, hero, you know, the heroic actions and the dedication that nurses and workers and staff members are you know, displaying to help their clients and their families is just remarkable. So we really heard a sense of pride. And you know, it was just the evolution of 
innovation, technology, protocol, process to get things done. But the common theme that we always hear with the cost of care is, you know, what's driving up the cost of care? Why are prices increasing? And we know that life is getting expensive everywhere you look. And over 17 years, you know, we've seen the cost of care increase between 30 to 80 percent, depending on the care category. But like I said, life is getting expensive. But the big variable that everybody deals with um, is labor. It's being able to attract labor. It's being able to um, retain that labor. And there's a lot of pressure right now with wages and competition. So there's demand for care providers. There is uh, demand by the care recipients for these care providers to come into their homes. You add a pandemic into that, and that starts to complicate things even more. The other theme is, is, like I said, competition, but not competition from the care providing industry, but things such as Target or traditionally we heard about this in restaurant and other service areas, but as wage pressures, specifically minimum wage laws go into effect, more companies are offering higher compensation. It really is creating a little bit of challenge for these care providers. So that's the one thing we really heard is that being able to uh, meet those wages and compensation is a challenge. You've got PPE, you've got training, like I said, you have uh, technology. And one thing that's really interesting is hearing that these companies indicated that they've absorbed these costs on their own, so specifically training, protocols, PPE, um, to be able to provide that service to their clients without being able to directly pass along the cost to them. But the theme that we're hearing, unfortunately, is they are going to have to, at some point, transition to this cost. And what we're seeing today as a result of the pandemic, some of these things are here to stay. And it could be new best practices going forward. Yeah, I know that's that's some great points to you um, and to uh, your study. So one thing that's really helped the show over the years is the reviews that our audience has chosen to leave on sites like iTunes, now known as Apple Music or Stitcher or even YouTube as well. And for today's episode, as we wrap up, I wanted to um, share one of those reviews with you that really meant a lot to me. Thank you, Gavin, for introducing me to this podcast and for your work to bring these important nuggets of information to those of us who work in the field. Much, much appreciated. It was a pleasure to meet you. That's so meaningful to me, guys. Um, It means quite a bit to all of us here at the show, and we love these reviews. So again, for the show to continue to have such great notoriety and bring in great guests, we'd like to kindly ask if you can leave a review for us on Apple Music or YouTube or Stitcher. It means a lot to us, guys, and really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.